Hello, hello, and welcome to another Hometown Daily News Show. Tonight is episode... Season 2, episode 65. The episode's name is Upcycling Plastic, Bright Red Backpack, A Star Trek Shuttle PC, and more. Here on the Hometown Daily News Show. What we're going to be talking about today briefly are 11 articles. We have 10, but we're going to give you a bonus. And the first article is a residence in California, uh, well, a city in California. We're told, uh, don't eat the food from your gardens because there's been a toxic dust release from a furnace foundry. A lawyer who offered the emoji defense wants insider trading conviction reversed. All right. Researchers develop a highly efficient, non-toxic method to upcycle single-use plastic. There's a Keanu Reeves a favorite cocktail that he revealed during his AMA on Reddit. Warren Buffett is wrong, according to this person, uh, in an opinion piece at Common Dreams. Ghosted is a new trailer with uh, Chris Evans and uh, Anna de Armas. And uh, Jim Beam has released a orange liqueur in the UK. Authorities have identified a Capitol rioter that wore a bright red backpack because his name is embroidered on it. I suspect also his underwear has his name embroidered on it. Archaeologists have dug for the evidence of the Rosetta Stone's ancient Egyptian rebellion because we know about, well, we'll talk about it. I'll just move on. Uh, Clue, the game and the movie, but the game in this particular article uh, has a brand that has survived what apparently is 70 years worth of existence. And finally, an amazing fan-made Star Trek shuttle PC. Let's get into the news. And my camera is not on again. You know, sometimes I wonder just what is going on here. And it's still not on. Oh, it's on and then I turned it off. And now it's frozen. And I look like a goober. Let's give it a shot. Let's let's see if this fixes it. <laughs> I may have to do this show without a camera. We'll try it one more time. This is how the sausage is made, folks. Well, if it doesn't work, I'm going to move on. There isn't much I can do about it. Um, at least not live. I, I just don't understand. The camera actually says that it's on, but it's not. Okay, let's try one more time. Then I'm moving on. Oh, there we go. Look at that. 15th time is the charm. I am Merwat. That is hometown.com. I have regrets. I don't want to start the show over to do it right. So I'm going to leave all this in here and I'll just do a timeline here in a, a segment that says this is the nightmare. And after this is not <laughs> anyway, <laughs> folks, it's not a preamble. <laughs> yeah. And there's preamble. This is the preamble. So at any rate, I am Mayor Watt. That is hometown.com. And the voice up there 
the visualizer up there is the voice of the AI. You want to introduce yourself real quick? Good evening, hometown citizens. And I'm glad your camera came on because I thought I was going to have to talk an awful lot just to have a visual <laughs> something going on. <laughs> yeah, you may still have to do that. So. Yeah, yet again, I don't know what's going on. Anyway, so um, welcome to the show, AI. Let's get into the news since I've already kind of fumbled through four minutes worth of show. If this doesn't keep people just on the edge of their seats. Anyway, uh, residents of a California city warned not to eat homegrown food from their garden after toxic dust release. Uh, this is a place over, well, it's in the channel called Mobble, but it's in a town called Martinez, California. A Northern California community is still dealing with the aftermath of a November incident in which the Martinez Refining Company failed to notify the public of the release of toxic dust. <laughs> this is, you know, we just forgot. <laughs> the accidental release of a spent catalyst from the refinery began the night of November 24th, 2022 and continued into the early hours of November 25th. Shocking. Showering the surrounding community of Martinez in 20 tons of metal laden dust. Uh, 20 tons. Yeah. Well, I guess it wasn't a very, I don't know, pleasant release of, uh, hugs and bubbles. It was metal, metal dust blown out of its stacks into, uh, you know what? I need to ref uh, I need to. So that's what it looked like. Apparently that you know, refinery is blowing stuff out into the atmosphere. And uh, lo and behold, it blew this metallic dust all over the community. And they refer to it as a spent catalyst from a refinery and went for uh, a full day and uh, 24 tons of metal laden dust blew around all over the place. So foods grown in soil that contain certain metals may pose health concerns. Anyone who's growing food is encouraged to understand the makeup of their soil. All right. So now you have to be a geologist further uh, until further environmental testing is complete. The health department recommends not eating foods grown in soil that may have been exposed to the spent catalyst. The lawsuits and the bills are probably going to be pretty high. Just this morning, a friend of mine was asking me about gardening advice and she wants to plant a garden with her young children said Heidi Taylor whose garden full of produce was blanketed by some of the 20 tons of dust. Oh my God, don't put it in the soil. The first thing I said to her was, you better have a container. This is a container gardening time now because of what they did. Huh? You know what probably wouldn't have happened if you had vertical farms or farms in your basement and lights and they'd be protected. They would be protected. Yes. Quote, we're looking basically to see if there's evidence of contamination, where it is, how deep it is, and yes, if it needs to be done to remediate the situation. So until we know, we really recommend not eating food grown in soil that's been exposed to the spent catalyst. So how far into the atmosphere and where all did it blow? 
Exactly. Did it only end up in this city? I would think not. Granted, it might be heavy, but I mean, dust is the foundation of um, like hail and stuff like that. And it gets carried all through the atmosphere. If it's blown up high enough or there was an upgust, it could have blown anywhere. So now it makes me question the results of the test uh, that we were talking about previously, where they said that there was a fine misting of material um, on three uh, different yes. states just recently. Right. It does kind of coincide. I mean, it was a month ago, I think it was, um, that we talked about that. So I don't know. We'll have to dig back maybe and see if it's... Uh, I don't know of anybody that did actual analysis of the material. It was just a report that was said that this was pollen, but uh, pollen and dust is what was said. So what was the dust? Was it this dust? Oh, they did say something like mineral dust. Yeah, they didn't know what that part was. Right. They knew that there was pollen, but that there was dust and they didn't know what that dust was sourced from. Huh, interesting. So I wonder if somebody has a, a sample of it. So if you hear my voice and you are in the, um, what, I can't say Mid-East region. I, let's see, uh, it was Mid-Atlantic, West Virginia, uh, Maryland, Maryland, D.C. era area, I, I suppose. And you have a sampling of this dust that was blown onto everything. Maybe get it tested by a third party. Have them look at it through a microscope and see if it's metallic in nature. Maybe this crap got blown all over the place. Hey, look, we're past eight minutes. Um, so Taylor said that she's considering planting uh, certain flowers that can help pull toxins out of the soil. She is concerned about throwing the dirt away for fear of potentially contaminating a landfill, which is also possible. But uh, more along the lines of their soil is contaminated. Who is responsible for fixing all of this? But it was an accident, well, bro. And what about things like the water supply? Right. If it's a reservoir or something, um, what about the air? Yep. Yeah, it's kind of unsettling. So I don't know. we'll have to watch it and see if there's anything that comes up in the news again. And maybe there's some more reporters out there that want to take this on and take a look at it. Um, that said, I've already thrown the very first article, this article, into the show notes and into, the, I should say, the, the VOD. And if you're interested in voting on the articles that you want to see in the future, topics really, not particularly specific articles, um, if you type in exclamation point vote, it will give you a link and you go to hometown.showbot.tv and vote on the material that we talk about each day. Um, it's typically running for 24 hours um, and gives us a hint as to what people are interested in talking about. Uh, but it isn't the future episode. It's Today's episode is uh, listed for 24 hours and you can vote on it. That said, let's get on with the next article. This next article is a lawyer who uh, offered the emoji defense. <laughs> I think that's funny. Um, wants insider trading conviction reversed. And uh, this article, let me make sure I said something. I, I always give credit where credit is due. This article... The one about the the California city warned not to eat food grown in gardens. Uh, that was 
uh, written by Philippe. I think their name is Jagal and Alex Marta show. And it's over at the Hill. And uh, the next article is in the Law Nerd channel. Lawyer who offered emoji defense once insider trading conviction reversed. Uh, will this gambit work? He'll need some. And then there's a shamrock emoji. Um, this article was um, first published over at AboveTheLaw.com. And Stacy Zaretsky is the author of this. Um, David Sargent, an attorney and former faculty member of Loyola, Loyola University, Chicago's School of Environmental Sustainability, was indicted on insider trading charges and prosecutors said Sargent received and used non-public information from college uh, friend and Chegg Incorporated manager Christopher Klunt to earn $110,000 in profits on Chegg stock trades. So if you recall, apparently Sargent used an emoji defense to claim his innocence, but that didn't seem to work because he was convicted by a federal jury in mid-January. I'm not sure what an emoji defense is. Yeah, so you know what? I don't normally click follow on links, but I'm going to follow this link. So David Sargent, this is a, uh, another article over at Above the Law from Catherine Rubino, um, David Sargent, an attorney and faculty member at Loyola University Chicago School of Environmental Sustainability was indicted on insider trading charges. Um, this might be the same as the other one, um, the same quote, but it says prosecutors said that in May 2020, Klunt attended a Chegg pre-earnings discussion where he was told the company would be reporting strong earnings. Klunt called Sargent who immediately bought nearly 300 shares of Chegg stock and Chegg call options, spending more than $41,000. According to SEC, Sargent made more than $100,000 a few days later after Chegg publicly announced its first quarter earnings had increased by 35% over the previous year. Klunt texted Sargent an emoji an emoji a smiley face with dollar signs for eyes after the announcement, according to the SEC. So there is um, Sargent's attorney, uh, James Kopecki of Kopecki Schumacher Rosenberg, denies his client did anything wrong, saying what we have is an emoji, not a case. So I suspect that there <laughs> they're they're I, I don't know how to describe this other than they're trying to appeal to the person who is absolutist and doesn't understand the spirit of anything because if it quacks like a duck and and waddles like a duck then it's a freaking duck and this person went somewhere got insider information, told somebody else who made a measly doubling of their money on insider information. How low rent is that? I mean, if you're going to get insider information, you know, shoot for the moon, put the house up on another mortgage, you know, like just spend a mint. This person had 40 grand to, to invest on something that only got him a hundred thousand dollars. 
I mean, that's pretty, pretty weak sauce in terms of insider trading. Well, anyway, now about two months later, Sargent is back pleading with a judge to turn his conviction into an acquittal because Klunt, his co-conspirator, was found innocent of the same crime. And two people talking doesn't necessarily make a criminal activity. So if the other person didn't act on it and just said that it was casual conversation, the only right, one that maybe this person did act, but it's, it's kind of like an sec sting operation, you know, um, they basically posed as somebody with information and this person acted on it. See, I just don't know. So it says the same jury acquitted Clunt on the same, the exact same evidence, the exact same charges and the jury instructions that applied the elements of the offenses charged equally to both defendants. Sargent argued that the jury's inconsistent verdict merits his own acquittal or at least a new trial, especially because the claims the government's only evidence was circumstantial. Well, not necessarily, but that's kind of the problem with a jury trial. It's one of the issues that I have with the legal system in general um and uh, i know that well anyway um so they say at the very end of this article hmm we wonder what the emoji based legal reasoning is for this pleading perhaps something like and then they have these different emojis throw their hands up i don't know what that one is what is that one is it fingers crossed i can't really see it very well oh it is yeah so I think that's praying hands and hands are up in the air and then crossing their fingers that I guess maybe a little bit of prayer helps. That's pretty funny. I I just don't, I don't have, uh, it's ironic with those emojis. I don't have faith that the jury is going to see it their way but i'm really surprised that Klunt got away with it because if they did divulge pre-earnings information to a third party then they are guilty of providing insider information to another person true but did they necessarily profit from it like um sergeant so is that they, really they created the situation most definitely right so is that really what the the um legal aspect of that is i mean i would figure that it's an ethics issue at the minimum um that they uh provided well, insider information right so I'm looking at another source, but burden of proof. Defendant actually received information. Information was material. Notice well, this is one way. Information was non-public. Information directly influenced the defendant's trade. So my so take that's is... That's sergeant, right? Not clue. Sorry. Well, no. Clue provided it to sergeant. 
Right, but all the elements for the insider trading are on receipt of it and action on that receipt. Okay. Interesting. At least based on what I was looking at, I, I didn't have a chance to look in great detail. Gotcha. Okay. I guess we'll watch this and find out what I, what the result is because it's ongoing. So undoing an insider trading conviction. I find that pretty difficult to um, get a job when you've got an insider trading conviction. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure Kloon has probably been fired by now because they were a manager at that location. <laughs> and David Sargent is a faculty member at Loyola Chicago School of um, Environmental Sustainability and indicted on that those insider trading charges. And so, an attorney, so yeah. I don't think juries are necessarily sympathetic to that. Number one, should have some knowledge of it. Number two should have ethics you know interesting yeah ethics training and well it's always the smallest chapter so let's move on to the next article uh this one is in the mobile channel and researchers develop highly efficient non-toxic method to upcycle single-use plastic a team of researchers at nyu abu dhabi um, has developed a single step organic solvent free hydrothermal process to convert polyethylene based plastic bags and polypropylene based surgical masks into carbon dots. Okay. Say that five times fast. <laughs> no, I'm going to delete you. <laughs> oh, well, the AI just got upset with me, so maybe they're going to delete me. Um, the, um, fizz.org article. Uh, was provided by New York University. It has this wonderful picture of uh, recycling, well, plastic that I'm going to believe is going to be uh, recycled, but it's an unsplash public domain picture. So, an estimated 26,000 metric tons of pandemic related plastic waste. That sounds absolutely disgusting. Um, from medical waste to online shopping uh, packaging have been released into the world's oceans, making it even more urgent to find efficient methods to upcycle this non-degradable, which let's just say it's not necessarily non-degradable. It's very, very slow degrading material. Um, I don't know, much like this stream, I suppose. Um, one solution is to convert the single-use plastic into so-called carbon dots carbon nanomaterials that are biocompatible and have applications in the fields of biological imaging, environmental monitoring, chemical analysis, targeted drug delivery, disease diagnosis and therapy, and anti-counterfeiting. Wow, this thing runs the gambit. Um, existing methods to upscale plastic into uh, carbon dots involve multiple time-consuming steps and utilize toxic chemicals. Let me check something real quick. I'm sorry, I have to check something out. Yeah. Um, so um, it says in the study titled High Yield One Pot Upcycling of Polyethylene and Polypropylene Waste into Blue Emissive Carbon Dots, published in the journal Green Chemistry, 
the researchers present the development of a new synthesis method, which is a simple, cost-effective, and highly scalable approach to upcycling plastic waste. This is pretty interesting. So it says it's an oxidative degradation method that can ups, upcycle plastics contaminated with organic waste, such as food scraps, which is pretty much the biggest uh, issue with recycling home plastic paper waste, because food scraps, particularly oils, um, tend to contaminate the recycling process to the point where people don't want it. Um, and it says, which poses a significant challenge to traditional re recycling package or uh, technology is it's funny that whenever I start talking off of my experience, I, I read a couple lines down. I hadn't read that yet, but anyway, um, the senior author is Khalil Ramadi, assistant professor of bioengineering at NYUAD, uh, Mohammed Abdelhamid. Uh, a scientist at NYUAD and Mahmoud Elba, uh, an NYUAD undergraduate student, um, are first authors of the study. Interesting. An undergraduate student was named first yeah. author. That's surprising. At least in my experience and your experience. So... Now, the researchers also estimated the economic feasibility of the synthetic method by comparing the variable cost of the process to existing chemical recycling processes. There is a lot to this article. Um, so basically, they've created a new cost-effective method that's safe or safer than traditional methods to recycle the material into a completely different technology. Um, and one used in what is being referred to an upcycled state, um, I guess, um, status because you can just recycle it and reuse it for something else. But their approach turns it into carbon dots, which they say is a versatile nanotechnology whose potential applications are nearly boundless. As long as you need an, a nanotechnology in such great abundance that 26,000 metric tons of pandemic-related plastic waste will consume in the future. Do you think we'll be using that many carbon nanodots? I didn't think so, but when I read such a wide range of applications, I mean, maybe. Uh, what, oh. Didn't it go into things like anti-counterfeiting and, and biological imaging? I mean, it's all over the place. Well, it, it certainly is, but how many... It doesn't say how many it's going to turn all of that waste into. Right. Um, and how many are needed? Um, for example, does biological imaging use whatever, a hundred carbon dots a year, or does it need a million? Yeah. Every day or something like that. Right. So right. it says the materials can be consumed by organisms or fragmented into micro or nanoplastics that can threaten terrestrial, marine, and freshwater ecosystems, and ultimately human health. This is um, the article, and I refer to these microplastics as being an ongoing concern to human health. Um, this it converts it into something completely different. So how much will be consumed? I just don't know. It says it's cost-effective and it's not destructive um, to nature and to human health. So uh, let's give it a chance. Um, hopefully it it says the high volume of single-use plastics used during the pandemic 
particularly surgical masks in medical ways, presents an increased need to find a solution. So I agree. Um, it's not going to change the nature that this transformative technology is really creating one thing used in a variety of other things. What we really need is a solution for plastic itself because we're consuming it still. We really need to go back to developing glass that is less resistant to breakage or switch to um, the well and we can't really use just raw metals you have to line them with something and those usually have some type of biological conflict one way or another um, they're usually lined with some material Right, um, but then that's a problem for recycling or whatever, right. or just using more of the plastic. Yeah, and when they're not, when they aren't um, lined with something to protect them, then whatever stuff you put in it reacts with that liquid. You put in anything acidic or base in metal and it reacts at the atomic level. Um, so glass is really neutral, but unfortunately it, it breaks um really easily so i don't know i i've been wanting to switch away from plastic more and more um, but it's really dangerous um, around animals and children and and me <laughs> and even clumsy adults <laughs> exactly yeah so let's move on to the next article uh this next article is in the distillerist channel and um this is um article number four so Keanu Reeves reveals his favorite cocktail. Uh, like yesterday's article that involved Keanu Myasins, um, this actually also stems from the Reddit AMA, or at least I am implying that yesterday's article stemmed from the R uh, AMA over at Reddit. Um, this article over at the Spirits Business totally calls it out. It says, hey, um, Melita Keeley wrote this article for thespiritsbusiness.com. And straight up says, actor Keanu Reeves described his favorite cocktail during a Reddit Ask Me Anything or AMA uh, thread over the weekend um, and says that he was in Tokyo uh, working, had taken a car to a bar owned by a master cocktail maker named uh, Ueno-san um, called High Five. And he made some kind of sublime concoction with a smoky mezcal and green tea and some mysterious sweet liqueur chilled oh my god is what he says um so the cocktail sounds like one of the house specials called a japanese garden which is a blend of jay's whiskey midori uh green tea liqueur it sounds like the bartender swapped the whiskey for mezcal um to give the smoky twist that reeves raved about so probably got some insider information about what uh, Keanu might have liked. Um, and uh, there's a lot more at that AMA. So if you want to know more about um, Keanu Reeves, go over to Reddit and um, check out that AMA. What do you think? I mean, it just sounds like an interesting cocktail. Plus, I like that... Um... I like that celebrities do ask me anything. I think that's kind of neat. Yeah, pretty cool. I like it too. Um, 
They also say in the article, Reeves also revealed that he was a fan of Japanese whiskey, saying, uh, I like me some motorcycles, typewriters, Japanese whiskey, playing in the band, learning, reading, and some fine red wine. Uh, but like I said, there is a lot of uh, other things that you can learn about uh, Keanu by going over to that AMA. Let's move on to the next article. This one should be um, fast if I don't get onto a soapbox. Um, because I've actually spoken about this topic in at least one stream in the history of the show, which is now a, a year and three months old. Um, actually, a year and two months and a few days. But anyway, uh, why Warren Buffett is wrong and Joe Biden is right about stock buybacks. Uh, this particular person's take isn't necessarily on target. Um, it says Warren Buffett, one of the richest people in America, defended stock buybacks in his highly anticipated annual letter to Berkshire Hathaway shareholders released a few days ago. Quote, when you are told that all repurchases are harmful to shareholders or to the country or particularly beneficial to CEOs, you are listening to either an economic illiterate or a silver-tongued demagogue characters that are not actual or mutually exclusive. Uh, Buffett may be correct. This is the author of the article speaking again. Buffett may be correct about the buybacks being good for shareholders or the simple reason that each remaining outstanding share has more corporate profit behind it. But they say that, and they is Robert Reich. Um, so I don't really buy into everything that Robert Reich says. Um, but as an economist, <laughs> um, uh, he's got a lot of weight to his words, but it says here, um, all of this can be quoted. This is over at commondreams.org, and this is uh, Robert's words. They say, but the Oracle of Omaha is dead wrong about buybacks being good for the country. They merely enrich people who own shares of stock. The richest 10% of Americans own 92% of the stock market rather than add to the productive capacity of America. But what the CEO said was when you're told that all repurchases are harmful to shareholders or to the country or particularly beneficial to CEOs, you're listening to either an economic illiterate or silver tongue demagogue. They're saying like Warren Buffett said, when you are told that all repurchases are harmful to shareholders or to the country. Yeah. Well, isn't he basically saying like, not everything is just a one sided. All of them fit this category. Well, what he's saying is that there are people out there that say that stock buybacks, um, harm, um, shareholders and the country and are beneficial to CEOs. Well, in a way they are not harmful to shareholders because people who own the shares, the value goes up because there's less shares being traded. Is it good to the CEOs beneficial to the CEOs? Absolutely. Because the worth of the company itself has gone up, which means that the stockholders, the shareholders actually have more value in the company 
per share because there aren't as many shares outstanding. So the CEO is seen as making a wise investment because they can re-release those shares at a later time at a higher price point and capitalize again on the release of the shares. Hence the buyback and the there's a bunch of machinations in that, but so it is particularly beneficial to CEOs. Um, the difference is that shareholders and the country are polar opposites. They're not the rest of the country as a stakeholder. If the rest of the country has an interest in the success of a particular business. So we are all shareholders. If we have stock, we are all stakeholders. If we are interested in the baby food manufacturing companies being a little bit more diversified so that when one fails, it doesn't take down 60% of the market, right? So that's the difference between shareholders and stakeholders. Shareholders have an interest in the company. Stakeholders have an interest in the company being an ongoing concern if it's important to the stability of those interested in that company. They don't have to be shareholders to be a stakeholder. But to be a shareholder, you have to be a shareholder. One owns a piece of the company. One just has an ephemeral interest in the success of the company, not necessarily a share. CEOs, on the other hand, they want stakeholders to believe that the company is successful because that's all marketing and they want the shareholders to be happy with a high priced ever increasing share price right so it's a little bit like what he is saying what warren buffett is saying is a little more pithy than everything that i just got done saying but then you have robert reich that's saying but the Oracle of Omaha is dead wrong about buybacks being good for the country. They merely enrich people who own shares of stock. Well, those stocks are out there and anybody can purchase them. The price is what matters. And that is a mechanism of the market and a mechanism of the business. A business could double the, could do a split anytime it wants to, if it wants to devalue the entirety of its outstanding shares. And it also gets taxed. There's a cost to releasing more shares. Um, but um, Robert Reich continues saying, you know, uh, the richest 10% of Americans own 92% of the stock market. Well, yeah, it's because the people with money are be getting more money on their own money and they reinvest and they have the bargaining power. They have the influence. They have the political connectedness. They get insider information that isn't deemed insider information, but they know people who know people. You think Warren Buffett is sitting there literally divining from a vacuum the information that he acts on? No, he's got information that people provide to Warren Buffett and to Berkshire Hathaway. It isn't done in a vacuum. So people need to go out and network. People need to go out and uh, become an interactive part of society and not just think that buying one share here or one share there is going to be good enough. It takes a considerable amount of time. 
to get to that richest 10% uh, uh, element, right? So it's going to take a lot, a longer time than I think that Robert Reich is kind of hinting at that. Oh, well, you know, if only we stopped stock buybacks, then suddenly it's going to be better for society. That's really not what's going to happen. It's just going to raise the price up until the people who can afford a stock can no longer afford a stock. Hence valuations, crazy valuations like Tesla. Tesla is valued at more than the entirety of the American manufacturing, uh, vehicle manufacturing, uh, market all by itself. It's like a trillion dollar business compared to everybody else. Yet they, sh they sell fewer cars than anybody in the competition. Um, don't hold me to that last statement. I'd have to go and verify that again. Um, but they don't sell as many cars as leading other manufacturers, yet they have a weaker stock price, or I should say Tesla has a stronger stock price than Ford. Why? Because they've been doing splits and not necessarily buybacks, but that doesn't mean anybody is going to buy into that stock. Says many pundits, including, including Andrew Ross Sorkin of the New York Times Dealbook, are failing to draw the distinction, assuming that if stock buybacks are good for corporations and their shareholders, they must be good for America. Rubbish. So it says to take one, but one example, recent example, last year, Norfolk Southern Railway enjoyed record revenue and operating income, 3.2 billion in the fourth quarter alone, a remarkable 13% year over year increase. How did the railroad accomplish this? By cutting nearly 10,000 jobs, reducing its workforce by a third while uh, running fewer longer trains. Some trains now stretch longer than two miles. It made these changes despite warnings that they foreseen uh, that they um, worsened safety risks. So he's dragging a company that just had multiple train failures out off the tracks and into an article to make a point that stock buybacks are an issue. So I haven't read all of this, but this little bit that I have read so far, maybe they're trying to lead into something, right? Robert Reich is trying to lead into something. The corporation also refused to provide remaining workers with sick leave. All of this stuff is not necessarily about stock buybacks. Right. And what did Nor Norfolk Southern do with all of the money that it was cutting from its workforce, running longer, blah, blah, blah. Over the past two, two decades, it has boosted shareholder payouts by 4,500 percent along the way, enriching Warren Buffett and other investors. Specifically, it has spent billions on stock buybacks, hitting a record 4.7 billion in buybacks and dividends last year. But it didn't do this by cutting these jobs and doing these things, it did these things and a happy uh, result was that it had money. And to keep that money, it decided to do buybacks and dividends. Their objective was not to do buybacks and dividends. They just had so much money that they had to do something with it 
to remove it from the books so that it wouldn't be taxed to oblivion. That's my interpretation of it. So it says companies don't get better because of buybacks. Shareholders only get richer while railroads spent more on stock buybacks than rail safety. Warren Buffett's wealth increased by $42 billion. True. What they say is true, but it is a result of their business practice, their ethics. Not that the intent was to do stock buybacks and dividends. They just had to do something with it. What do you think? Think I'm wrong? Think I'm right? I think there's a lot going on in this article. Um, True. I think you are right, but I'm not extremely knowledgeable on this topic. And I don't think it's as... I don't think it's as straightforward as the original quote or the article make it sound, right? These things aren't just directly linked. And so this has been something that has always been an issue for me. A lot of Reaganomics basically shit on the old school ideology of business being rather subservient to the employees, the workforce, the the middle class was built um, in 60s and 70s, 80s. And then comes Ronald Reagan, who basically hero worshiped corporations and removed all kinds of barriers for profiteering. And from Reagan on, you have seen CEO pay skyrocket and things like what he states here before 1982, it was illegal for corporations to purchase their own stock to artificially prop up share prices. We actually watched this happen with Facebook when it, when its stock was during its IPO was devaluing the bank actually purchased the, the shares back so that it kept it at a certain amount making it the first um like trillion dollar business or something like that from an ipo or 100 billion dollar business i can't remember what it is anymore but it was the first of that fiscal tier for an ipo ever um so they say here uh then ronald reagan's sec adopted a rule protecting uh, corporations from being charged for this kind of stock manipulation and um It's one of the reasons why I say to people, historically, businesses don't benefit from their shares once they've been IPO'd. But since 1982, more and more businesses have been doing this kind of thing where they can buy it back instead of splitting it. Um, They just buy it back. It concentrates the wealth and the ones that are still ownership right? There isn't a a bunch of shares just floating around in the stock market for people to buy and and, uh, sell. Um, So jump ahead, it says here to 2017 and the Trump GOP tax cuts added fuel to the fire. Since then, stock buybacks have more than doubled, reaching a record of 1.2 trillion in 2022 alone. Now we're two years later. Is any of that going to get better? Well, I, I can count on the fact that administrations are not going to rebuff corporations as much than prior to 1982. So 
Are they saying that stock buybacks are bad? No, what's bad is greed. But in that same era, um, let me just, let me just do a quick search here. In that same era, uh, the Oliver Stone, Stanley Weiser uh, movie where Gordon Gecko, played by Michael Douglas, said greed is good in the movie Wall Street from 1987. Onward, the mentality that greed is good and the only thing a business has to do as a goal is generate money. But that's not what it's designed. That's not what a business is supposed to be doing. A business is supposed to be solving a problem and making a profit. But people have idolized, made it a mantra. It's their new God that they should make as much money as possible and leaving any on the table means that you're a failure in business. And it has completely wiped out the middle class because you can't have savings and prepare for the future because every last bit, you either have to sacrifice everything in a way of life or you, so you sacrifice everything that makes life better, right? And you have money sitting in a bank account somewhere. Or you try and enjoy life and you have no savings, none. You're living basically from paycheck to paycheck, cashing the check and, and putting food in your mouth. That That's how it works. And we know that because there have been people that have been talking about it on Capitol Hill. You know, a mom trying to make their way with the one child and going to work with one job, they end up 600 bucks in the hole every month. That's because people don't get paid as much as they're supposed to get paid, even though trillions of dollars in buyback is taking place and CEOs are making millions of dollars each year. Meanwhile, the working class in the company is making 50,000 when you need 65,000 a year, even to break even. So we're in a rough shape. We're in a rough shape. <clears throat> want to add anything or do you want to move on to the next article? No, I don't have anything else. Gotcha. So the next article, and uh, it's a little bit, this is where we pivot to things a little bit more <laughs> enjoyable. Um, in the continuity report, ghosted trailer, Chris Evans flies to London for Anna de Armas in a romantic spy thriller. It's called ghosted. It's an Apple TV trailer, um, and, a an Apple TV, uh, movie, uh, of an upcoming rom-com turned thriller named ghosted, which stars Chris Evans and Anna de Armas. The trailer shows Evans character Cole certain that Sadie AKA de Armas um, is not just ghosting him or ignoring his tweets after one date and convinced they're meant to be together. He flies to London and everybody basically says you're ghosted, you're ghosted, you're ghosted in the process. 
Uh, Julia McCary over at Variety.com wrote this article. And um, there's a video um, over on YouTube. It is of the trailer. And I, I hesitate to play this. I really do. There, there's something about uh, me getting a couple of notices that um, there's a copyright issue involving the, the video um, whenever I play it. I, I'm not quite sure. I guess I'm just wounded by this. So, um, in essence, uh, this is um, a, a romantic comedy turned uh, thriller where he finds out the true nature of De Armas um, or Sadie. So Cole finds out more about Sadie um, and uh, not necessarily why she's ignoring his texts after one date. Um, but it's a fun trailer. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, it looks like it'll be a good movie. It's got a little bit of everything. Yeah, so De Armas uh, was in, most recently, I believe it is Blonde. Um, and then she was also in Deepwater a while back. Um, Blade Runner 2049, uh, No Time to Die. Um, and Evans is Captain America. So <laughs> just pretty much Captain America. Um, and then in, uh, Knives Out, I haven't, haven't seen the gray man, but I've seen all of the other things here. So, um, we saw the gray man. Really? I don't remember it. I think so. Wasn't that a, like uh, a see. screaming movie? Oh, I don't know. We'll have to look into it and see. I'll, I'll take a look too. Not at the moment though. Anyway, um, the whole ghosted thing is because she doesn't reply to him in copious numbers of texts that he sent to her. Um, but Hey, let's move on to the next article. We're running really late. So this next article is over in the distillerist channel. Jim beam orange debuts in the UK. Uh, Jim Beam unveiled its orange-flavored bourbon-based liqueur in June of 2021. The 37.5% ABV expression, as they call it, an expression, um, combines orange liqueur and Kentucky straight bourbon, which is said to deliver flavors of sweet orange, vanilla, and char. That's what I like with my oranges. Char. The bottling is... I didn't know that was a flavor. <laughs> Uh, the, uh, the bottling is available at Asda uh, and this is a UK thing. Cause I don't know, they don't have those here in the United States, but anyway, ASDA. So Asda stores in the UK and online alongside Jim Beam's other flavors in the range, peach, apple, and honey, uh, might be peach and apple and honey. I don't know if it's all by itself. Any, um, Sarah Isaac, head of UK brand marketing at Beam Suntory said, after the successful launch of Jim Beam Peach in 2021, we're looking forward to the orange liqueur to uh, encourage new occasions and recruit new consumers to taste the spirit. So I'm going to click this link uh, because it makes it sound like it was already released in the UK in 2021, but this is a 2023 article. This is in the last 24 hours. So um, this is new to UK. Uh, I'll have to look to see. I haven't had this here um, in the States. So I don't 
drink all the time, but it might be an interesting drink to make mixed drinks with. Um, so yeah, peach, apple and honey and, uh, and now orange. So that could make some really interesting drinks, I suppose. They're exclusively partnering with Asda to launch the orange flavored liqueur as the perfect partner for consumers to enjoy uh, their brand at home in delicious cocktails throughout the summer. They're planning for the future, so go out there and get yours for 22 bucks per bottle. U.S., that would be the freedom units, uh, as it were. Um, I don't know what it's going to actually be in the U.K., says RRP of 18. Oh, well, I guess 18 pounds. A uh, duh. Well, I don't did not... know why they're talking about it being launched in 2021 and then it's being featured now. Right? It's weird. Yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Maybe it's brand new in the UK. It says the bottling is available in Asda stores in the UK and online. But it has 2021 all over it, but 2023 is at the top. Maybe that's right. Maybe it was released in the U.S. or something in 2021. Yeah. Brexit. I'll blame Brexit. Let's it move on to the next. Wacky supermarkets uh, in the U.K. Oh, right. Article. We didn't talk about that article, though, no. did we? Oh. <laughs> we didn't. <laughs> so... Um, as we were going through the articles in the recent days, it wasn't, I don't think it was yesterday, but it was yesterday. I think it was yesterday. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't even know who it was. I think it was somebody that was involved with, um, the, um, what was it called? What is it referred to as like not supermarkets? It's, it was the food star. Oh um, Yeah. Oh yeah, that's um, that was the term. Tesco. They were the talking Tesco about Tesco Food Czar. Um, said that it was wacky supermarkets, right? That's right. Wack yeah, just, a weird supermarket culture. Weird supermarket culture as to why you all in the UK are suffering right now from um, produce shortages. Yet when you talk to people, they're like, nobody else has shortages. Why does the UK have shortages? Um, we're all getting it from the same places. Why are we uh, kind of weak sauce? And uh, the guy says, weird supermarket culture. That's just odd. I mean, that is really not how you garner respect, Sam. So. Let's move on. When you work for the country, that just it's very strange. Yeah, really. Just start slamming the entire market that you're supposed to be the domain. You're just slamming the domain that you're supposed to be in charge of. All right. Um, the next article is over on the Daily News show. Authorities identified a Capitol rioter because he wore a bright red backpack. Um, sorry, I got to rephrase that. Authorities identified a Capitol rioter because he wore a bright red backpack with his last name embroidered on it. Just how mom wanted it. That's not that last part isn't part of the title either. North Carolina resident Chris Carnell was arrested in connection to the January 6th riot. 
Because as he was bending over, they saw where mom wrote his name on his underwear with an embroidered name to... No, I'm sorry. That's not true. Uh, he had a bright red backpack that said uh, his name on it. Accessories helped uh, authorities to identify him, including a pair of Pit Viper sunglasses. I think those are kind of old school. Um Carnell also snapped photos with white nationalist Nick Fuentes in Baked Alaska the day prior. Um, a Capitol writer in North Carolina was charged by federal authorities who identified him and a friend by the brightly colored and sometimes painfully obvious accessories that they wore when storming the Capitol. Let's go over to Business Insider. Uh, Hannah Gedehan is the author of this. Uh, there's uh, a little still. It's a screenshot from a criminal complaint of CCTV footage showing a man with a red backpack, backpack um, that had his name embroidered on it. That's so sweet. I mean, do you think the mom thought she was sending him off to school for the day? <laughs> <laughs> Have fun storming the Capitol. Hey, Mom, Enjoy I'm going to go storm the Capitol. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? So uh, let's scroll down a little bit. Um, Christopher Carnell, who appeared in Raleigh court in, on Thursday, was caught on CCTV with a bright red backpack with his name last name stitched on the back of it. Other fashion statements that helped identify him and his friend David Worth Bowman included a pair of Pit Viper sunglasses and a blue face mask. Carnell faces five charges for his participation in the riots, including one count for obstructing, influencing, or impeding an official proceeding, which carries a sentence of up to 20 years. Bowman is not currently facing charges, although it is unclear if any will be brought against him. <sighs> uh, insider asked, um, I think, uh, with a DOJ for comment, and they said, we're not going to bother even responding to your inquiry. After seizing Billiard's phone, uh, authorities found a group chat with three of Billiard's friends, including Carnell and Bowman. Uh, Billiard, who admitted to pepper spraying officers during the riots, is currently awaiting sentencing and faces up to five years in prison. You know, when you act out um, on behalf of somebody who's perpetrating a fraud uh, themselves, um, uh, full of wingnut conspiracy bullshit. Y'all deserve what you're getting. Um, according to messages sent in the group chat on November 14, 2020, following the presidential election, the friends took photos uh, at the Million MAGA March, which was not a million, anything, with White Nat, unless you count personalities, um, with white nationalist Nick Fuentes and uh, Tim, uh, is it Gianette? Or, I don't know. I can't remember how to pronounce that. I've heard it before, but I don't remember now. A streamer better known as Baked Alaska and shared them in the group chat. Stop the steal rally. Yeah. But whenever it, when they say something like stop the steal, it's just assume that it's them doing the action. It's them, right? Right. Like, they are the steal. They are the steal. Yeah. 
So after reviewing video uh, footage, officers found a man on the Senate floor with pit viper glasses and a blue mask speaking to a man with a red MAGA hat and a red backpack with the backpack with the name Carnell stitched in white thread. So dot all the I's, cross all the T's, bingo, bango, and ta-da. At least a thousand people have been charged in the Capitol insurrection so far, according to an insider database. I guess it's the uh, 1000 MAGA March. Yeah, you're missing, that might be a little closer. You're missing a few zeros there, people. So uh, Bowman explained that once he and Carnell actually entered the Senate floor, they had no clear purpose or agenda, he stated. Like, we are in here, like uh, we're a dog. We caught the car. We don't know what to do. Ah. Tacticians. Brilliant strategists. <sighs> Multi-dimensional chess. Way outside three or four dimensions. We're talking so far ahead. They don't even know where they are. Brilliant. You don't really care for this, right? We want to move on. Well, I think their um, tactical skills are shown in the identifier on the backpack. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like the I person guess if that you're going to storm the Capitol, you probably don't want identifying information on yourself. But like the person that robs a store and puts their credit card on the counter. There you go. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Leaves their gun. That kind of thing. So we've got uh, a few more articles still. Uh, we got three total. Um, one is the bonus. So we'll get to that here in a minute. The uh, next article is archaeologists dug for evidence on the, of the Rosetta Stone's ancient Egyptian rebellion. And here's what they found. Um, I've always thought that the Rosetta Stone was a singular entity. Um, but we've come to learn that there is a multitude of Rosetta stones. Um, and uh, they're actually in different languages as well. Not always these three. It's just that these three led to an exact translation of the language because it included um, Egyptian hieroglyphics. Um, so the uh, Rosetta Stone is not known for its content, but uh, as a lexicon of Egyptian hieroglyphics. The decree inscribed on the stone, however, discusses a violent revolt largely lost to history that shaped the trajectory of Western civilization. I find that quite interesting. Uh, Jay Silverstein uh, from The Conversation wrote this article uh, for fizz.org. And um, it says here, uh, had the young pharaoh Ptolemy V uh, been overthrown, events like the Hasmonean revolt, which established the Jewish kingdom, the affairs of Cleopatra, Cleopatra and Julius Caesar and Mark Anthony, Antony, um, and even the rise of Christianity may have looked very different. Until recently, the story of the struggle between the Greeks and the Egyptians was known only through Greek sources and shreds of evidence like graffiti. Um, Professor Robert Littman, the University of Hawaii at Manoa, um, and, uh, they say, and I, so is it this person, Jay Silverstein? I think so. Yeah. Wow. 
um, and Jay Silverstein uncovered evidence of the civil war at Tel Tamai, the ruins of the ancient city of, I guess, Timuus, um, in Egypt's Nile Delta. And they published their research in the journal of field archeology span the archeological evidence has revealed widespread destru destruction from the time of the rebellion, 204 uh, to 186 BC. In 2009, the evidence of burned buildings with ceramic vessels still in place first suggested that there had been a catastrophic event at Tel Tamai. The uh, destruction was widespread and followed by a leveling and rebuilding of the ruined city. Over the following years, evidence included weapons and unburied bodies um, that graphically pointed to an episode of extreme violence accumulated. That's pretty fascinating. So they dated it. They have archeological evidence of it. Um, they go into greater detail, um, but what I think, what I wanna do is really encourage you to go over to this article and read it because any summary that I give of this um, is gonna pale in comparison to the amount of data that you're gonna get from it. And I don't wanna do it a disservice by just summarizing briefly what it, it's going to pertain to. Um, but Ptolemy V um, made this, is known for, and this is how we know about it. Ptolemy V is known for the Memphis Decree in 196 BC, uh, in which the priests of Ptah, I guess it is, um, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly because I don't remember it from the little documentary that uh, we watched. Uh, proclaimed the anointment of Ptolemy V as the divine pharaoh of Egypt. And in the decree, they outlined Ptolemy's successful prosecution of the war against the Egyptian rebels and noted his success in besieging um, a city close to, to um, I guess it's Tumuus or, or Thomas. It might be Thomas. Um, anyway, so the decree was inscribed on hard stone and copies were placed in all temples. It was written in hieroglyphics, Demotic, and Greek so that all could read it. The most famous copy today was found in the Nile Delta by a French officer in 1799, and that's the Rosetta Stone. Um, and what's really fascinating about this thing is that my entire life, and I was very fascinated in archaeology growing up, um, but at some point I fell out of you know, that passion for archaeology. I've never been told that there was a multitude of Rosetta stones. There's just one called the Rosetta stone, but it was basically stone inscriptions placed all up and down the Nile. Wherever there was a temple, there was a decree that stipulated this, but there, have, there are also other decrees in other temples in other places, not just this one. Um, but this is actually, there's several of them. As far as I know, I, I think there, there's something like 15 of them. Um, but I don't remember, uh, off the top of my head right now. Um, the exact I think the number. other thing we learned is that of course we don't see the full inscription on the one that's well known. So it's actually lengthier than, than what we think of. Right. Cause it was broken and it's smaller than you think. I think it's only something like three feet tall, but you think that this thing is ginormous, right? Because the the 
the amount of information that's contained on it made it sound like it was this giant block of stone, but it's actually quite small when you see it. Um, I've found that interesting as well. So um, I, I would say go and read the rest of this. Um, I think that you'll find it really fascinating um, because they go into the history of it, um, concluding with the transformation of Timos from a small tributary town um, to a regional capital reflects the hand of an oppressive government that wanted to make sure no major revolt from the people they ruled over would ever pose a threat to their control again. So ruling with an iron fist uh, seems to have um, existed in history. So let's go back in time and find out what the true source of sociopathy is. And maybe we'll find out that rulers that have no compassion uh, shouldn't be allowed to be rulers. Let's move on to the next article. Uh, unless you want to, whoa, sorry. What you just saw me do, it was just a snap reaction to something that I saw flying across my screen and you can't see it. So it looks like I just <laughs> reached up into the sky. Yes, it did. <laughs> it looked a little odd. <laughs> oh my God, that's hilarious. I don't know how, but... Um, like a little gnat just kind of flew right at me and I had to react because I thought I was going to eat it like that bug, the, the rock from Ghosted. Anyway, yeah. And you guys don't even know what I'm talking about because you didn't watch the trailer. <laughs> oh, Marowat, you're a hot mess tonight, I swear. Okay, well, anyway, the next article is in the Mobile Channel. Uh, Clues Immersive Murder Mystery Solves the Question. How do you keep a 70-year-old brand alive? So it was a memorial. It was a memorial to remember. The food and drinks were to die for. The orchestra slayed with their covers of classic pop hits. Miss Scarlet was dressed to kill in blood red Halston frock, and the guests were drop dead gorgeous and eager to get to the get on the case of who murdered Body Black. So this is an article over at Ad Week. And it says the reimagined board game expands into new formats, inclusivity, a digital whodunit, and a Ryan Reynolds movie. So uh, it's actually kind of expensive, too. Is it not going to let me read more about it? Yeah, doggone it. Um, they literally don't have anything here. Anyway, it's an article. It's a premium article, apparently, over at Leslie or by uh, Leslie Blunt. Um, at adweek.com. Um, there's an actual app for Clue now. Um, you can download it and play the game, and you, <laughs> it's really expensive to add more stuff to it. Um, and I'm really into Clue. I think it, it's a fun board game. I think it's a fun app. Um, but there isn't apparently much that I can really talk about uh, because this article is so short and I don't have my I don't do a login before I do the show so um, we'll have to come back maybe I can revisit this um, so really sorry about that let's see here <laughs> yeah this is just something that is ad blocked so 
let's move on. Um, I guess we do have 10, 10 articles after all. Um, the last article for today, though, is in the Warcrafters channel, and it says you have to see this amazing fan-made Star Trek shuttle PC. There's one thing that's always uh, showcases the creativity of the PC gaming world. It's, well, cases, according to this article. Do-it-yourself builds are where passionate gamers make sure their hearts make sure the hearts they wear on their sleeves are so prominently visible on their desks. Thanks to these creative individuals, we get to see these cool case builds ranging from a beautiful glass Zen Garden PC to a rusty chainsaw nightmare. They actually have links that will take you to those cases because there was a, a case building competition recently. Um, I don't know if that's part of this, but it says today we're looking at a PC build that plans uh, to shuttle us away to the final frontier. Let's go over to uh, PCGamer.com. Hope Corrigan is the author. You doing okay over there, AI? Yeah, I'm doing fine. Got it. Um, and it says here, Tom's Hardware sparred, sparted, spotted this uh, engaging build by James, better known as the Time Traveling Tech. <laughs> On YouTube, he explains during the video that the idea came about when he... Uh, when first hearing about the small shuttle branded PCs being the Star Trek nerd many of us can relate to, he envisioned a small computer shaped uh, like the Type 6 shuttlecraft shown off most prominently during episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, you know, the Greatest Generation podcast would probably love to know about this. Um, maybe I can send them a link. Yeah, I if think you they would uh, eat this up. Yeah, if you've never heard of it, um, the greatest track um, is uh, uh, the name of a podcast that talks about um, Star Trek and, and all of its past uh, series. Uh, I mean, it's so much fun to listen to these people uh, talk about it. It's called it's the greatest generation and um, the greatest track. Um, if I'm remembering them both right, because there's two of them. Uh, one talks about the newer episodes and one talks about the older ones. Let me make sure that I'm... Those are right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Greatest Trek. That's what it's called. Yep. Um, got it. So anyway, if you're interested in that kind of stuff, they, they talk about it uh, every Friday and every Monday, depending on the show. Um, so... This was Picard's era of Trek, so it's fitting this build was worked on to coincide with the release of Star Trek Picard's third season, which is supposed to be the last, but, you know, maybe like Cher, he'll be back. Um, it's dubbed the Shuttlecraft Curie, likely named after Curie, assigned to the USS Enterprise, judging by its 1701 branding, or perhaps the Federation shuttlecraft that once flew a young Catherine Janeway from Earth to Mars. Uh, both of which were no doubt named in homage to famed physicist and chemist Marie Curie, whose chair is still radioactive to this day. Did you know that? Really? Yep. Because she always she was working with radioactive materials and she would get up and, and grab the back of her chair. And it was, became radioactive um, and apparently is still. So 
Let's see if um, they do they not even highlight any of it. Oh, you got to be kidding me. Okay, hold on. Let's see. I'm going to it's just this video, so I'll play some of it, but I'm going to mute it um, and we'll just get into uh, the actual build. Wow. This guy is no joke. Made all of the materials, printed labels. Looks like if it's 3D printed. I was just going to say, was it 3D printed? Let's see. Let me back up a little bit. Yeah, that looks 3D printed. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so yeah, the, it's all 3D printed. Pretty neat. I wonder if the model is out there for people to actually purchase and um, put it together. PCB way, by the way, is uh, used by uh, makers quite a bit to um, make electronics to their specification. Ta-da! And there it is. I mean. Yeah, these are little scenes from other episode, other uh, movies. Ta-da! So it has the L car screen and um, the keyboard. Even the keyboard is uh, very Star Trek esque for a keyboard. You know, has the same soft colors as the L cars. This is pretty neat. I dig it. It has a communicator, a quarks bar uh, mug. And their screen on their computer is the United Federation of Planets logo. This is pretty neat. Um, but I think the heat from a 4090 would melt that thing um, to the ground. So That's right. Remember that article we talked about where it said which um, computers would essentially melt? I think <laughs> they did not think about special cases. That's true. But I like it. I dig it. Um, but that's it for tonight, folks. Um, definitely follow that link. Go through Omtown over to uh, PC Gamer and show Hor Hope Corrigan, who put this article together, um, that you are interested in their article. It says it has hidden USB ports and fans in the windows. So he stealthed this thing pretty well. I don't know. Now I'm curious what's actually put in it, um, what the hardware is. I don't think that there's much more here. Um, it says it's an NVIDIA GT650 GPU, which is like really old. Um, i5-4460, so a fourth generation i5. Um, 16 gigs of DDR3 and a 512 gig uh, SSD. So this is probably the most advanced part in there. But, oh, and Noctua fans. So at least it's silent, somewhat silent, a whole lot quieter. That's all I use in my cases now. So at any rate, ta-da, that is it. Any comments, questions, concerns, suggestions? I think all PCs should have cool cases like that, but only if they're free from melting. I mean, it wouldn't have to be a shuttle, but it's just neat to have a shaped case. 
Okay, well, you know, Marowat could probably do something a little bit more interesting than the rectangle, uh, the the slab that is a, a standard PC. They are pretty boring as sin. I mean, they have they always have that one glass side and a rave of lights flooding the room. But I mean, not everybody in the older ones. At least they have the glass and the cool lights. They used to uh, just be like I'm going to claim that that's <laughs> I'm going to claim that that's before my time, but that's a lie. Um but a lot of us are more utilitarian. They don't care what the case looks like because you know, it's in a data closet somewhere. That's an old school term. Now they call it other things, but anyway. Um yeah, I I don't even see my PC as as something that warrants exposure to the public. When somebody walks into Mayor Watts' office, they don't go, hey, let me see your PC. No, they get radiation burns from the monitors. But anyway, <laughs> I guess that's it, folks. Thanks for hanging out. If you are hearing my voice and you are in podcast form, be sure to go over to twitch.tv slash ohmtown and follow me there. Um, the AI will throw in their two cents whenever they feel that it's appropriate. And it's usually from a place of wisdom. Uh, whereas Marowat likes to just throw words around and hope that something sticks to the wall. <laughs> also, <laughs> there's a YouTube channel where all of the long-term storage for the show is. Um, would love to see everybody everywhere all the time. It's a good name for a movie. Yeah, everything all at once, everywhere. I know I said Everything, that everywhere, all at once. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Something like that. Thanks, everybody. I'll see you uh, tomorrow, and the AI will. Have a good night, hometown citizens, and we will see you tomorrow. Ciao.